Hey everybody, this is Brian Brodeur, and I am happy to have actor, producer, writer Alex Aldea sitting in, guest hosting for me for a few sessions. He'll have some great conversations with creative professionals and independent film luminaries, so take it away, Alex. Hi, this is Alex Aldea on East Main Media Podcast Series, guest hosting, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing Corden Wagner. Cordy for short, a wonderful friend and a mentor to me since I started in this entire acting industry, and a man who's extremely generous with his time, his talents, and advice for new people, whether they be friends or otherwise, starting out in this zany, wacky, but absolutely amazing entertainment industry. So, Cordy, thanks for joining us today. Wow, that was an intro. Thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say that where has there ever been a guy with such drive and just innate talent as you. I mean, you you jumped into this business a little bit later, but you've been on a tear. You've just flown through one hurdle after the next. Thank you. And done it so well. It's been an inspiration. It's sort of like, you know, made me sit back and say, okay, yeah, you can still do this. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't think there was ever a moment in your mind where you didn't think you could do it. I mean, you're, you're chock full of projects all the time, which is absolutely amazing. So now that we've complimented each other, we've gotten that out of the yeah. way. That's we can... <laughs> so just because I know it, but a lot of the folks don't, how did you get started in this business? Give me a little background. Where'd you go to school? I mean, I know, but the... Yeah. Listening yeah, audience. totally. If you're going to go way, way back, how mm. I got into film, <laughs> it started as a seventh grade French project where we had to essentially research a famous living French artist or writer or filmmaker. And I chose Luc Besson. And it was the first time that I realized that, oh my God, these filmmakers, they have like a they have a thing about them. You know, every single film that they do is not the same per se, but the style is the same. Like there's a personality to their style. And it was the first time that I realized that because, you know, you had to watch all of one person's movies or read all of one person's books or mm-hmm. listen to all of one person's songs. And it just hit me like a lightning bolt that film is more than just entertainment. It's a way of seeing the world. So I think it was that that sparked my interest in film as an art form. And from there, it just evolved into, I got into theater in high school. And then, you know, my high school had a very good video program where they taught you how to edit and and film and shoot and all that. So it just evolved from there. So that by the time I was going to college, I was dead certain I was going to go into. Which you went to, you went to Tisch, right? At NYU. But I did, I studied cinema studies and dramatic literature with acting. Mm-hmm. So I was in Tisch, but I wasn't in their filmmaking program. That was delivered. My plan was then to go to grad school for film, mm-hmm. which by the time I got out of four years of liberal arts, I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Cause I, you know, I was on film shoots like pretty much every single week. I was then shooting corporate videos. I was editing actors, demo reels. And at a certain point I was just like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> sure. I've got it. I, I figured this out. Um, I think I know what I'm doing. I think there's a certain amount of you want to know a little bit, but then at the same time you want to leave a little bit to the unknown. <laughs> it's okay to be a little a touch naive. 
Sure, um, and and to and to develop those skills on the job rather than learning them abstractly. I guess. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it because, you know, I think that for a lot of people who are working to be behind the camera, I think the best thing in the world for you to do is just get on set as quickly as you possibly can. I don't think that there's anything wrong with going to film school. I just don't think that it's the most efficient use of your dollars. Sure. I would use those savings to essentially cushion yourself as you're trying to build a career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everybody has their own ways of doing this, right? Some people might have a very particular reason for going to film school. Well, so for me, you've been an incredible resource, and I really want to thank you for all that. And I, I typically start all my conversations with Cordy this way, <laughs> whenever I call him and he has time to pick up the phone and I can pester him with a question or two. But for the new folks, for the folks getting out of mm-hmm. Tish or getting out of Yale sure. or Juilliard or a local program somewhere, I'm in New Jersey, so Montclair State is a great program, and they just rehab all of their facilities, and they have some state-of-the-art stuff going on now. For these new folks, do you have any advice? Do you have any thoughts that you could pass along? Yeah, I, I do. I think the first step is to figure out what kind of a filmmaker you want to be. Most people want to direct right? So let's just make that assumption. (laughs) But you look at this industry and it's actually pretty small in some sense, but it is kind of divided up. There's the television route, there's the film route, and then there's the advertising commercial route. And it's not that you can't jump back and forth. I certainly did. But you want to figure out as an artist, what route do you want to go down? And then secondarily to that, you want to really start to figure out kind of like what track or what position you want to pursue. I mean, a lot of people pursue the position of cinematographer, DP. Some people go for art direction. Some people become a producer and then shift into directing. Mm -hmm. You don't just become a director. And I think most people know that, but it's really important that you build your first career before you are figuring out how to evolve yourself into the second career. You got to walk into that first position or that first track that you're on with the mindset that you are going to try to become the best at that position Mm -hmm. that you possibly can be because that is the way the world is going to know you as they're going to know you as an amazing cinematographer who then transitioned into becoming a director Mm -hmm. or an art director who transitioned to becoming a director very few people just all of a sudden luck their way into directing and if that does happen that's great go for it (laughs) i mean i mean more power to you and this is not a space to say that you shouldn't go and be always directing your short films what i'm just saying is on the road to directing you come to it from a place of bringing your entire life's work to it your background your point of view and it's really important to hone the skill sets of the craft of filmmaking, which is visual, spatial, intellectual, auditory. I mean, it's a lot of different things. So you want to soak up the time that you have to develop those skill sets before you're actually in the hot seat of doing it. Now, the flip side to that is while you're pursuing that first track that you're on, you should always be directing a short film or a spec commercial or Even if you roll the dice and you go for a feature film, you should always be at least trying to do the exercise, the art of directing Mm -hmm. while you're developing that first career. So that is a Herculean task. But, (laughs) you know, if you do it right, it will work. It's a business like anything else. 
you know, you jump into finance and you got to work your way up the ladder. Sure. You don't all of a sudden become the CFO or the CEO. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very rarely does that ever happen. And those folks, they're on quite a roller coaster. But you bring up such a great point. I was also thinking and biting my lip while you were talking say, what about actor directors? There's always actors that end up being directors after that. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> um, actors who transition into directing come from a very unique place and they do have insight into this where a lot of directors do not have that. You can come to it from many different places. You could be in sound. I know a lot of directors who are editors first. Mm-hmm. which is also a great place because you know storytelling. Sure. But as an actor, you are really intimately tied to the material in a way that very few people fully understand. So it's another fantastic place to come from. I like that. And there's a distinction between actor-directors, an actor who becomes a director, and an actor's director in my sure, mind sure. as well. And, <laughs> and you are, and you are yeah. kind of a little bit of both of those. I mean, an actor's director is a director that understands the mindset and the psychology of actors and is able to speak to them in a way that actors really find inspiring and accessible. I've been with some directors, and I think I like every director I've ever really worked with, but some directors are much more cinematography-focused, and they don't give as much due to the actor's performance and or the actor's even involvement necessarily in the movie and the actor may be a a nuisance or you know movable furniture or whatever whatever (laughs) he or she may be um but i know from working with you that you very much prize the actor and you know how to speak to them in a way that you get the best out of them thank you for saying i mean i try to as much as i possibly can i mean the way i look at it is you know, you're only moving the camera because you're moving the actor first. You block the scene first and foremost, and you need to find the motivations for that that blocking, that movement. But once you've blocked the scene, once you've figured out the intention of each actor, and we're talking from anything from a commercial to a film, that is the way in which you are moving the camera. You're not moving the camera because you want to come up with a reason to move the camera. You're moving the camera in respect to how the actor moves and and that movement is based upon the actor's intention and motivations of the scene. So it starts to me with the actor first, and then everything else sort of like works outward from there. Now, of course, we're talking in sort of a perfect world. Sometimes I'm doing a commercial where there's very little acting in it, and somebody just needs to just hit their mark, deliver, and boom, they're out. And that's fine. You know, <laughs> every project is a little bit different, but for the majority of the work that I'm doing, and sort of like fits my style is an actor first art form and then it works outward from there even if it's commercial we'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor today's podcast is brought to you by jlc accounting bookkeeping accounting tax preparation and advisory visit jlc-accounting.com and by tap into tv Original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. I think it's the way that, again, I go back to everybody comes in this business from a different perspective. People dive into it. They may be stop motion artists. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different medium than what we're maybe talking about. Sure. But for me, the actor is the most exciting part of the process because... It's just the way I came to it from theater and 
I like talking with you guys. <laughs> You're well, fun. We we appreciate that. I can speak for the acting community when I can say maybe that's presumptuous of me, but I say I think they greatly appreciate it when a director gives them their due on set because yeah. we're all professionals there to do a job. So if you were to go back 10, 20 years to your own life, is there any thoughts or any advice you'd give yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think <laughs> that, you know, there's always the sage advice to be a little bit bolder, a little bit more gutsy, mm-hmm. just go for it, you know, which I think that's a hard piece to give to somebody because in this film business, you have to be gutsy and bold to do it. But oftentimes that comes with experience and age to know that, yeah, I always think of it like, you know, you're a surfer trying to catch a wave. Mm-hmm. And when you're new to that art form of surfing, you don't really know your board as well. <laughs> so you might not be as bold. I would say the single biggest thing is I tell myself that, ah, you're fine. Just do it. Just pull the trigger. What's the worst that's going to happen? And I would say that if it can translate to somebody else, you're worried about going out and doing your first short film or you're worried about going in and trying to pitch your first time, just do it. <laughs> this business will reward you with opportunity after opportunity as long as you stay engaged and you don't have to plan it perfectly to get it right. You're going to fail. <laughs> like, all fair. of us are going to fail at this business in some way or another, but there will be other opportunities that come along. And the sooner you start taking risks and just going for it, Doing your first short, doing your second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it is, the sooner you start repeating that over and over and over, the faster you're going to move. As long as you're taking those life lessons and those career lessons, you know, as you go along. All the other ancillary stuff that just, you kind of pick it up as you go along. That's great. So I was watching Billions the other day, and of course I, I yeah. we have a mutual friend mutual of ours, friend. Chris Carfizi, that's on, and I don't know how right, much longer right. he's going to be on the show, so we'll see. Oh, don't, I, don't I, spoil it for I, me I, yet. Did I, he do something? No, I'm not. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. Nothing happened. <laughs> Nothing. Chris yeah. is fine. Everything is good. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, just watch the season. <laughs> oh, um, nice. But yeah, that's the, funny. Not to cut you off there, but I usually binge watch these shows. And uh-huh. so when when I start Billions and then I see his scenes, I start texting him sure. as if I'm like live tweeting his performance. <laughs> oh, you just you just went you just went to the conference room. What are you gonna say? <laughs> what are you what are you gonna say? Just watch so, it, watch it, Cordy. Just watch the show. <laughs> so he'll be in the middle of the dinner, and all of a sudden he'll get a barrage of text messages. <laughs> Like basically just repeating every single thing he's done. <laughs> well, I'm sure he appreciates it's like, it. It's new to me. I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, he had an iconic thing where he was about to get fired in a past season, and then uh, mm-hmm. they call him Rudy because he always tries harder than, right. than everybody right. else. And uh, yeah. he has this moment where he just comes out and everybody goes, Rudy. Brody, Brody. Right. he's pumping his hands in the air. Go, oh man, he's got to get at least another season out of that scene because that's such a good oh, scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was such an amazing scene. But yeah. you and him, I bring him up as a sort of a segue to say mm-hmm. that you guys did an awesome short film called The Thank Finger, yeah. uh, which yeah. had a really good festival run. Is it still mm-hmm. on the festival circuit? No, I think we concluded that you got to get about two years before you start becoming ineligible. And it was good. You know, it it was funny because it started out 
So I was in a frame of mind for that year where I was saying yes to every film that came along. Mm -hmm. I get scripts from actors or writers for short films and things like that. And I thought that the way we started it, we were talking about it as, well, let's just go and shoot a scene, mm -hmm. like black box style, nothing really big. And we talked about it for a couple months. We started rehearsing it and, you know, you add one thing on and then you add on another thing and another thing and another thing. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden, okay, I guess this is like legit bona fide short film. <laughs> And it went from just being, okay, let's just shoot this on iPhones in a black box or an apartment as an exercise to, we now have a restaurant. We might as well fill it with people. Mm -hmm. There was fire in the actual scene that they wrote. So we might as well bring out the fire <laughs> and the stunts and everything. Mm -hmm. And we just did it. And it worked out great. Sure. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun to do that. It's interesting because it's not sort of squarely within my style of filmmaking that I typically go for. This was more of a comedy, a romantic comedy, but it was a beautiful film. And I'm just so happy that we went ahead and, and just did it the way we wanted it to. Chris and Hillary just did a, an amazing job. They really committed themselves to the project. But yeah, it was good. It was fun. <laughs> and Kyle Paul is the yeah. waiter, without which the movie and Kyle couldn't Paul possibly is the waiter, have which happened. He, he right. It. Kyle is an amazing actor who <laughs> he's now making an appearance in almost, I wouldn't say all of the things I'm doing, but he makes an appearance in a good number of them. Yeah. From commercials to short films and everything. Great guy. Happens to be in China right now pursuing an acting career in the Chinese film market, which is very interesting and very outside the box thinking. You and I both applaud him for his innovative thinking. It's like you could say that once you've mastered the art of just going for it and doing it, you know, and figuring out your path in this business, it's not a bad thing to be out of the box thinking. And I want to just turn this around to you mm -hmm. for just a second. I know that you're the interviewer. You also are an out of the box thinker in a way that blows my mind. Just, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I this mean, is about like, you, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but I do have to just call attention to the innovative spirit that you have innately in you. I don't know if it's come up before, but... Strangely enough, I did an interview with Brian where we covered some of my stories, including the iPad story and a couple of other things uh -huh. uh, involved in that, which, yes, now the public is aware of. <laughs> now the public is aware of it. Okay, so I'm not going to repeat. I didn't know if you wanted to go into it or not. I'm like holding back. And no, 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 this, this no. Not say, okay. This thing's about you, man. Uh, and and right. I you know, greatly appreciate you being on here to chat about the stuff that you've been doing. Just to wrap up with The Finger, where can people see that? It's, I think it's on Vimeo. If you just type in, go to Vimeo, The Finger, I think you can go and find it. You can search uh, you or Chris Carfizi. Um, yeah, I would search Chris Carfizi and Hillary Mann, and they'll find it through them. And a great big thank you to Alex Aldea for sitting in guest hosting for me on the East Main podcast. Stay tuned next week for part two of his conversation. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>